This is the podcast for February 4th, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the snowbound heart of the Illinois political caliphate, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. We're, we're all on golden time here. Streets and sand people just put three <laughs> the generations through college. <laughs> the streets and sand caliphate over there. Keep the gold coming, Jesus. Keep the white gold coming. <laughs> that's not static. That's uh, that's Pringles. Pringles. Well, I'm I'm you know I'm snowed in. Oh, we're all snowed in. Yeah. I'm snowed in far from home. All I have is my Skype, my laptop, a can of Pringles, a bottle of scotch, some porn. I'm not going to lie to you. Wait a minute. I'm in heaven. <laughs> You died and went to heaven. You snowed in. Went to Irish, Irish heaven. Horn, and, Pringles, and Scotch. Yeah, and a, and a space heater. Yeah. Oh all yeah, right. you're all set. And I have to say, caliphate is my favorite word Isn't it? of 2011. Isn't it? I'm using it all over the house. No, this well, is know, the mommy it's... caliphate. Mommy caliphate says <laughs> I have a whole bunch of mommies behind me telling me, yes, Lugal, you can make it bedtime. Well, you know, you get the impression that somebody on the right got a hold of like a medieval thesaurus. A thesaurus. I was good. Just a regular <laughs> thesaurus. Yeah. Well, no, a medieval one because last, you know, two weeks ago it was blood libel. Yeah. yeah and now it's yeah. caliphate. Yeah. And Pretty yeah. soon it's going to be Charles Martel and yeah. the Battle of you, Tours. You can, see, you can see, you know, somebody in the office asking Ross Duhat a question, and he kind of opens his desk drawer and looks down a little bit and finds yeah. the right word to say, yeah. This reminds me a lot of the cross that Constantine saw in the sky on that time <laughs> with the battle with the Muslims. Yeah. Gosh, well, we're certainly uh, sending good vibes and prayers and all that good stuff to our uh, fellow world citizens in Egypt, and yes. uh, it's all very up in the air. We're recording this late Thursday night, and tomorrow's going to be an interesting day, uh, Friday, and we're keeping a good thought for everyone there. And you had some interesting thoughts about the long arm of history, which you can't actually talk about <laughs> Egypt without recognizing right. that, you know, it's in the shadow of the pyramids. And who built the pyramids? <laughs> the mayor. The, <laughs> the mayor, mayor built, built the pyramids. So. Everybody knows that. Right. So, but seriously. Built it. Yeah, on the serious, <laughs> seriously. On the serious side. It is it is helpful to note this this takes nothing away from the struggles of the people there. There's a there's a, a well known mathematical um, function called Eratosthenes' sieve, which is a way of finding prime numbers, and it was discovered a, you know a great whopping long time ago, thousands of years ago. I, I remember a story about a, a student going to the the math teacher he he had and, and saying that he had discovered this awesome way of calculating primes and the 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 bad news the math teacher had to say was well this has all been done before Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago which i think broke the kid's heart a little bit but he said but the good news is the amount of creativity and brain power needed to dream up this method is no different now than it was then yeah so you know you are every bit as ingenious as eratosthenes was you get full credit right because you thought it up up. yes so you you know you know human beings haven't changed a whole lot in a hundred thousand years Human nature hasn't changed, so this is taking nothing away from our, our, you know, our world citizen brethren and sistren uh, in Egypt. But you have to remember that this is all taking place. You know, these people are lobbing Molotov cocktails around in the shadow of the Great Pyramid, more, you know, yeah. um, symbolically. Yeah. And that 
you know, at some point the Sphinx, you know, opens one eye and shrugs and goes back to sleep for a while, another hundred years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, you know, yeah. this is a, this is a country that's seen Napoleon's armies roll through it and blow the, uh, you know, the nose off the Sphinx and Absolutely. has, has had, you know, had, has had whole cultural eras. Yes. And you know, everything whole, from there to Hitler to now to, you know, they've seen it all. Seen it all. You know, and, and at the other end of the spectrum, you know, this is all happening during a time while NASA is still busily discovering and cataloging new planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to remember our place, our humble place in the order of creation. Uh, but not to take anything away from what they're doing over there, because what they're doing is, is as basic and human an activity as you could possibly ask to be witness to. Mm-hmm. A mm-hmm. bunch of ordinary citizens, um, Deciding they've had, they fucking well had enough. Yep. And, and rising up against a, a brutal, t- uh, tyrant who has been, you know, on our payroll for 30 odd years or longer. Except he reminds me so much of John McCain. Old John McCain. Not, not the John McCain that just came back this weekend. I feel like, you know, we got the, we got a different pod person this weekend, but, you know, well, oh, they, they released old john mccain to talk about human rights how creative of of them <laughs> well they, they loaded some new software on him and marched yeah. him back out again he started talking about human rights um but you know th- there's a not only is there history going on here but there's a a very special thing happening on the conservative side of the american political spectrum well and before we get to that i think it's really important i i know i just mentioned john mccain but to say that this is also extraordinarily generational what's yes. going on in Egypt and what's going on here in America, there is going to be a generational shift. I know I've said this before, but one of the big objections I think white old Republicans have to Barack Obama has nothing to do with race and everything to do with the fact that he's 47 years old. Yep. And as these old timers, you know, and, and, and not to be ageist because, you know, I love Bernie Sanders and I love – there's <laughs> Bernie Sanders has shown everybody else how to do this, you know, how to how to be a great statesman at, you know, 75, whatever he is, 16 – I think he's 70. But it, it amazed me tonight when I watched Rachel Maddow to <laughs> – for her to say, you know, I just want you to know that I'm constantly tempted during all of these discussions of Egypt to drop my, my notes and go and tweet all this stuff. <laughs> Yeah. And and yeah. then she said, you know, and I know that's amazingly low tech. And I thought, what? <laughs> Don't you know how amazingly high tech it is to have a smartphone in your hand, to be able to type on a little tiny keyboard smaller than the size of a tea saucer, you know, mm-hmm. and send a message to the whole world? Mm-hmm. You know, that is not low tech, but... Rachel Maddow is in her 30s. I know. I know. I know. So. And she's awesome. And she's awesome. And to her, this is like, you know, this is just going to be, and to my kids, you know, the way I got my kids really involved in Egypt was telling them, and they shut the internet off. (laughs) What? What? They what? Say what? <laughs> That's terrible. And, and my eight-year-old daughter gets up every morning and says, "Mommy, have they turned on the internet for the Egyptians yet?" <laughs> and, but that really brings it home to them, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah. world without internet? Are you kidding me? You can't have that. Well, so, you know, it's it's becomes it's become so basic. Yeah, it's, become, right. it's, it's, become food, it's what water. you breathe. Yeah, it's yeah. it's and and the fact that 
Barack Obama is telling the Congress, most of whom, you know, haven't quite figured out the Twitter yet, um, <laughs> that, you know, we've got to have frankly, we gotta their, nationwide their, their broadband. statements can be Googled, you know. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that right. They haven't figured lie. out that they can't just lie about what they said three years ago because it's all on the Internet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this – you know, here's the deal. We have to have nationwide broadband. Period. It's mm-hmm. es- essential to our economy to have this. I didn't mean to get off what you some very important things that you want to say about the right wing and history and Egypt, but uh, I think it's really important to sort of recognize that there's a generational shift going oh, on worldwide. There is hugely, and if, and if, and if you are, if you can't look at the pictures of you know coming from Egypt and see. Chicago, 1968. Yeah, yeah. Just resonating, just a little bit. Of course, it's not perfectly parallel. It's not. It's not. You know, we weren't. You know, in this country, trying to overthrow a a you know an unelected president, an unelected regime. But it was you know people who are, who have become personally afflicted by the injustices of their government taking to the streets and demanding. Your know, class, excuse me. I have an internet gerbil behind me that's oh. rolling, on, <laughs> rolling on her wheel. I'm going to give her some tissues and see if that keeps her busy. Hold on just a sec. Okay. Let's go. You, you carry those up to your bed, all right? Yeah. Okay. That's going to calm her down. That's a no- I need to get one of those quiet wheels for... Jessica Awesome. Oh, Jessica Awesome. <laughs> Jessica yes, the, Awesome. The Internet Gerbil. The Internet Gerbil in solidarity with her Egyptian brotherhood. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like this whole Muslim brotherhood conspiracy thing that that it's Glenn Beck is so fixated on that that I just have this picture in my mind of the new Black Panther Party, those two guys. And yeah. it's like, no, we're them too. <laughs> you know, it's the same guy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's like it's like Oh yeah, that's us. It's like black actors in the sixties. Yeah, like it's like they're in oh, everything. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's just yeah, yeah, that's us. Oh no, wait a minute. But you guys look vaguely familiar to me. Weren't you guys those new Black Panther Party? Well, um, <laughs> Yes, anyway, yes, yes, ma'am. But yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, so so you were going to say something about the right, and you know, it 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 really did amaze me to read. I think it was in Huffington Post that um, Beck Beck said, "quote that the uprising is quote being orchestrated by the Marxist communists and the Muslim Brotherhood." End quote. And <laughs> I think it was HuffPost. This is something which Bill O'Reilly seems skeptical about. It's like when Bill O'Reilly is skeptical. Well, hmm. you know, so, this, this well, is what's become... happening here. Well, first of all, Glenn Beck's going off the deep end. But besides no. that, there's something else deeper going on. Well, I, it, you, I mean, you mentioned it, this before. This, this is this has not caused the, the right to lose its mind because they, they lost its mind thirty years mm-hmm. thirty years ago. Yeah. This has caused the I, I would argue a fairly unique moment in conservative ideological history <clears throat> because they have um, a, what's called a totalizing ideology from which the term totalitarian comes. It is a complete encompassing, enveloping, surround sound ideology that, that purports to explain everything. Everything is a result of this vast, complex conspiracy stretching from Kenya to Indonesia to George Soros's deep pockets to the Tides Foundation and everything is explain explicable. It's the you know people who are obsessed with, with the Illuminati. Right. And, and right. The, you know the Trilateral Commission and the Masons. Yeah, I was it, gonna say the Masons. Don't yeah. leave out the Masons. No, this, don't leave out the stonecutters for right. God's sake. 
The Masons have code pink in their back pocket, so watch out. Well, <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when you have to, when your ideology forces you to reason backwards from your paranoid theory yeah. into history, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you have to explain everything that happens on the world stage in terms of the vast, the great conspiracy. Right, right. And And what you have here is a moment where too many contradictory things are happening. You actually have a democratic uprising. Yeah. You know, neoconservatives are supposed to be in favor of democratic uprisings, yeah. but they're not. Yeah. And then yeah. you have the overthrowing of a tyrant, but and that's supposed to be a good thing. But that's maybe not a bad, and that, maybe that's not a good thing because it would redound to the benefit of the Kenyan usurper. Right, and also remind and, everyone of the abject failure of uh, yeah. their philosophy in terms of the Middle East. Just yeah. you know, for everyone's bipartisan. If you have to actually look at reality in the Middle East yeah. to try to figure out what's going on, then you wind up actually having to confront your failure of american foreign policy yeah absolutely american propping up military dictators to to you know keep our oil supplies and shipping lanes safe has been american foreign policy for as long as i've been alive and it's been a long time since i actually defended mainstream media but i really do feel as though and it and and maybe it's not an intelligent reaction maybe it's just a gut reaction but i do really get the sense of with a lot of these neocons that the the more mainstream media is really saying, no, don't get fooled again. John Bolton is always a punchline in our yeah. podcast. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and, all, you know, it's always a good time to bomb Iran. It's always a good time to bomb Iran. You know, yeah, oh, well, you know, they might be overthrown and have a military dictatorship. Well, that would be a good time to bomb Iran. Well, yeah. what if they have a democratic uprising and they have elections in September? Well, that would be a good time well, to bomb Iran. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just, because whatever. As, 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 the Rachel, as Rachel Maddow pointed out, yeah. you know, democracy, which is, Unarguably, to democracy is a process, not an outcome. Right, right. And and there have been many elections in the Middle East, um, several of which we overthrew. Yep. Because they led to outcomes we didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I think this there's this conservative. I I love that conservative image of the purple finger. You know, all these conservative politicians yeah. holding up the purple finger. See, we got democracy. Mm-hmm. It's called it's a purple finger. That you know, we vote. They will voted one time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Your purple finger well, means they elected Hamas. Oops. And, and the, <laughs> only, the, the only parallel between Iraq and this is that you had a, a powerful, a, a totalizing neoconservative, paranoid world ideology yep. that had to be proven true. Yep. Because, you know, I've argued for, for ever since we invaded Iraq practically that Iraq was intended to be a Randite, an Ayn Rand Randite objectivist sandbox. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. go back and look at all the decisions that were made, all the people that made them, they, it was like somebody took the last 30 pages of Atlas Shrugged and used it as a fucking checklist. Yep. Okay, first we'll do this, then we'll do this, then we'll have a flat tax, then we'll just, and we'll just let, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of the government and this democratic, you know, Jeffersonian business, pro-business thing will just sort of naturally, you know, emerge because that's what our ideology says will happen. And of course, it didn't happen. It's been a colossal failure. And the outcome of, of all of our failures, the collective outcome, is that we're going to have a pro-Iranian Shia theocracy there in five years. Mm-hmm. You know, elected by the people. You know, because we because that's the road we set them on, and that outcome is. 100% incompatible with with uh, conservative ideology. The actual facts of history, as they are unfolding, disprove in the most unbelievably stark way conservative ideology every fucking day. So you have to, you know, pretend it's not happening. Pretend it's a lie. Pretend the media is lying to you. Pretend you're being conspired against. And so, and that's what's happened in Iraq. Iraq had to be a, a success, even as it was failing. 
in order to prop up their fucking failed ideology. Well, here in Egypt, you have a similar situation in that you have an ideology that must be proven true. Right. And the ideology says that Barack Obama, everything a Barack Obama does is evil and awful and damned. And everything that the left does is a part of a vast conspiracy. Therefore, whatever happens in Egypt must be read into that ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the problem that the right's having, the, the, the almost unique problem is that they're having is that that they survive by simply rewriting history. You know, whatever happened yesterday, they just make up a bunch of lies, and 20 million Americans who have lost all capacity to do critical thinking believe whatever comes out of Rush Limbaugh's ass. But the problem is, before you rewrite history, you have to write history. And this, what's happening, I, I think at least in, in Egypt. In terms of how we're, it's being interpreted in the United States is there's an expression I'm ripping off from a, a book by Harlan Ellison um, that he ripped off from somewhere else. And the expression is called jam caret. And jam caret is the hour that stretches. Yeah. And yeah. what's happening is the mo- the revolutionary moment that, that, that is going to be interpreted as whatever is going to be interpreted as keeps elongating itself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it hasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no outcome yet. So conservatives are frantically trying to preposition themselves in such a way that no matter what happens, they will have been right. Right. And Barack Obama will have been wrong Absolutely. because that is the yeah. only thing their ideology permits them to say. Right. We're right about everything. And, it, and but the, the outcome hasn't occurred yet. Right. So well, and you fl- saw that today on Rush Limbaugh when, mm-hmm. you know. When it was two New York Times reporters who were being held, and he starts laughing about na 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 boo boo, and and really mocking the fact mm-hmm. that these Times reporters had been held in Egypt, and then you know, and it's a three-hour show, and then in the third hour, it's two Fox News reporters who are in the hospital, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, in the first hour we were joking, just joking about, you know, the help, people holding. Uh, reporters, but this is really serious. And so, yeah, he has to change the narrative right on the spot. Of course, Mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh is very good at doing that. (laughs) But, yeah, no, I get it, that as history is happening, and you have this narrative that you have, it has to end happily ever after for Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and Fox in their philosophy. Mm -hmm. And it has to prove that that Barack Obama is a failure and incompetent. Yeah, yeah. And that that liberals are part of a vast conspiracy of which this was a part. Yep. And since it hasn't ended yet, they don't know how, they don't know how to fill in the last thirty lines of code. Yeah. They're going to then upload into their drone base. Yeah, and it's so all, really all hard. Also, twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, they're they're making it up as they go along. And the more they do, the more they 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 the more they insist that you know their ideology trump facts as mm-hmm. the facts are happening in front of them. It'd be great if this had all happened a month ago. Yeah, because once you're you know a few weeks in you know after an event. All they do is lie. I mean, you know, we've both seen it a hundred times. Fox mm-hmm. News just lies, yeah. just fucking lies about what happened a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And, well, the, and they uh, lie about what's happening on their own network. You know, the, yeah. the the idea that someone on Fox and Friends said, well, you know, you've got somebody on this network that's uh, spouting conspiracy theories about Code Pink and communist conspiracy <laughs> about Egypt. And the guest hostess says, what? No, we're not. I never heard that. Well... You never heard yes. of Glenn Beck, really? They're there to lie. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and, and and their audience is there to listen yeah. and believe everything they're and told. Believe it's the news. They're and, watching the news, but they yeah. don't know what the lie is supposed to be yet. 
which makes it all very uncomfortable for them. Yeah. Me, I'm perfectly happy to watch what happens, you know, watch how it plays out. If, if we did nothing, uh, if we acted meritoriously, if we failed, I think all three of those things need, would need to be parsed. And it has nothing to do with us. This has nothing to do with us. Yeah. This is their country, their revolution. We propped up their dictator, but right now it has zero to do with, with us. Yeah, it's and, them acting on their own behalf. Beyond the extent of our culpability for yeah. selling tear gas and yes. selling, you know, those kind of things, yes, yeah. we're part of that narrative. But in terms of making decisions for anyone in that region, except to kindly offer an airplane out for Hosni Mubarak, we really don't have a place right. there. Well, and you that's know? that's where I think that uh, that's where I think Barack Obama is is acting this is where the cold reasoning you know spock like demeanor is perfect mm-hmm. you know him acting no pun intended like the sphinx yeah. expressionless yeah. expressing support for democracy expressing mm-hmm. this is their problem these are these people this is their thing has you know hands off america and and none of his people will let anyone in the media put words in their mouth yep will let them know what i'm saying is the, you know, this is for the Egyptian people to decide. We support democracy, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And really, mm-hmm. being that kind of opaque about it yep. is yep. probably just the right thing to do. It is irritating as hell because yes, yes, you know, it once, is. You, you know, <laughs> but in this particular case, it's probably the, the smart move. It's probably the right diplomatic tone, just the right diplomatic tone to set. And Hillary Clinton's doing a f- very nice job, yes, and she is. you know. All these people who I have, you know, this is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm more than happy to kick the crap out of this administration for their unforgivable decision to, to allow tax cuts for billionaires right. to continue, for not calling out Republicans for being, you know, fucking lying hypocrites when they should, and for Guantanamo Bay and, and 20 other things mm-hmm. we could name. Mm-hmm. However, when they do something right, it's important even if to it's, say that too. It yeah. is. When it looks like they're behaving like grown-ups and trying to do the right thing and trying not to put you know, the U.S.'s big foot all over everything, which would have its own blowback problems, um, it's important to say, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what's going on in the back room, but based on what I see and you see in the headlines mm-hmm. and on you know, MSNBC and the direct reports, it would be amazing. Can we just stop for a minute? And say how unbelievably fucking amazing it is. We're getting real time reports yeah. from the center of history. Yeah, and that is not low tech. We love you, Rachel, but that is not low tech. No. <laughs> You're listening to the Professional Left podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. We got a very nice email from one of our listeners in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it turns out the Democratic National Convention is going to be held uh, summer after this one. And uh, there were some uh, comments on some liberal threads about how bad this is for unions and that this is a smack in the face to unions and so forth. And I just kept thinking, well, why can't the unions use this as an organizing opportunity? But Damn right. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible or not, but it certainly seemed to me that that was something that could happen. And I also wondered about, you know, I, I've been to a number of I haven't been to Netroots Nation yet, but I, I've watched them choose cities. And I've also watched other liberal and union organizations choose, choose cities for conventions and watched ACLU conventions and on and on and on. And it's really interesting how, you know, it's pro-union until it's time to choose a Southwest <laughs> versus a non-Southwest city. And Southwest yeah. is not a union airline. So, yeah. you know, it, as one of my colleagues, Ed Crooks and Liars said, yes, there's always an on the other hand when 
it comes to planning a convention, yeah. you know. But at any rate, our listener in Charlotte was extremely excited uh, to show off the city to us and anyone who's going in uh, 2012 um, down to Charlotte. And uh, I'm wondering if if this isn't Barack Obama doing two things. One is staying the hell away from Chicago and not <laughs> and trying to sort of distance of how would, what would be the anti-Chicago so that I don't yeah. look like I'm actually running my campaign from, yep. you know, would, the Midwest. From, Dave, from David Axelrod's, you know. Right. He'll be phoning it in from <laughs> from Lakeshore Drive, right? Um, Which is where they're running the campaign. Yeah. They are running, they are running the campaign from Chicago. And also, is this a kind of quasi-Southern strategy on his part to, yeah. uh, you know, sort of make some inroads and at least among, you know, it's going to make progressives in North Carolina feel real good to have progressives and, and run of the mill Democrats in North Carolina feel real good to have the convention there. And uh, I'll be interested to see how Southern that convention turns out to be in in terms of, you know, there are a lot of African-Americans in the South, ladies and gentlemen. That's shocking news. And they vote, you know, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, I I don't think, I think Southern strategy is not quite. I mean, I mean, anti-Southern, you know, I don't mean. Well, I mean, purple state strategy. Yeah. Yeah. He has, he has a real, I mean, you know, just after the state of the union, he, he, you know, which I, I, I gotta say, you know, 70% of what he said in the state of the United agreed with. He talked about jobs. He talked about innovation. Clean well, like you said last week, he played every key on the piano, you know. He did. He hit, he hit all 88 keys. He hit them reasonably well. Um, but the, the reinvestment in American manufacturing, jobs, innovation, clean energy, I, I'm totally down with that. I think that's wonderful. There's lots of reasons why that's harder than it sounds. There's lots of reasons why if we don't do it, we're screwed, which are probably the subject for 10 other podcasts. Mm-hmm. But suffice it to say, I agree with him. And practically from the podium, he went off to two swing states. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, and to talk, I think, energy companies and, and, a, and a solar panel manufacturing company and so forth. And it's not like that's an accident. Yeah. Um, and so going to uh, <clears throat> North Carolina for the uh, for the Democratic National Convention, you know, it's, he doesn't have to win Illinois. Yeah. He's gonna win Illinois. Well, and I was gonna say, I wasn't, fight. I wasn't in Springfield at the time that he announced his candidacy in two thousand for two thousand eight. Yeah. I was in Springfield when he introduced America to Joe Biden as his vice presidential mm. nominee. But uh, I have a feeling that he's not doing nothing in Springfield no more. You know no. that that's it. You know that no. he's not going to be focusing on Illinois as necessary you know well i think i think there's one uh, you know this is and i'm playing a wild card here I, I will admit it readily i don't know anything anybody else doesn't know but one thing i will i have predicted on my blog yes. a couple of weeks ago that that with the the musical chairs the the musical chairs at the top of the democratic um political and office holding pyramids you know and Rahm Emanuel the former congressman from here the clinton guy you know comes back to chicago Chief of to staff yep to be chief of staff for, for Barack Obama comes back to Chicago to be anointed mayor mm-hmm. because Mayor Daley has, is stepping out of those shoes because the city of Chicago is about to tank um, politically and economically. It has no more money. All those pretty things that the mayor spent a lot of time you know, making the city look nice can't afford them no more. Right. So time for him to slip out the exit. Exit stage left. Mm-hmm. You know, Mayor Santa Claus has left the building, <laughs> and you know, and Mayor Grinch is now showing up to to undo all of what he did because you know we're broke. Um, 
and brother of of Rich Daly is now the, the chief of staff. You know, essentially swapping jobs with Rahm Emanuel. So the perfect job. You know, I, I was kicking around the idea: what is what would the job be for? Rich Daly, who is, you know, arguably, just in terms of longevity, the most successful mayor in America right now. Yeah. You go to the National um, um, Conference of Mayors. He's always the guy people want to talk to, you know, because he's, he's, he is the last of the big city political bosses. He runs a pretty prosperous city. It's a beautiful city. Um, and by lots of measures of political outcomes, he is overwhelmingly successful. And he has been, you know, he has been the, the midwife to, you know, presidents and kings. Yep. And he's had a really good relationship with China, uh, going back all the way to the Clinton administration. He's been to China tons of times. I mean, like every been, other week. He's been to China many times. He scoped out the Olympics in China. He, I think at least one of his kids is taking Chinese. Um, he tells people you should take Chinese. He's hosted trade delegations here. He's hosted the premier, the president. And in fact, when the president of the United States and Hu Jintao left the White House, you know, when, when the president of China here, the one place they did go was Chicago. Yeah. To break bread with Richie Daly. Now, what the hell's behind that? And I, I thought at the time, I still think that there's a reasonably good chance that Rich Daly is going to be the next ambassador to China. Well, it's given that the ambassador resigned this week. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was, that was sort of the thing. But you had said that before that even happened. And it was kind of that he was going to be in a trade delegation, you thought, maybe, uh-huh. or, or some either, very high either up. ambassador to China. Because, you know, let's face it, the ambassador to China does what? He mangles the English language in front of a bunch of reporters who are really nothing but stenographers. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what Richie Daly's been He's doing. He's been doing that for his whole career. <laughs> yeah, so this is perfect for him. Except they're even more deferential. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a great thing. Uh, so either um, ambassador to China or head of the permanent trade delegation yeah. to China. okay. Uh, but just just as a little just, thing, uh, keep you know, that in mind, and and if it like happens, it, you uh-huh. know, wherever Richie Daly lands, you know, remember you heard it here first on the Professional Left podcast. Tell all your friends. Right. If I get this wrong, the first person who comes up to me at, at Netroots Nations this year says, "Fuck you, Drift Glass, you got that wrong. I'll buy you a drink." Yeah, there you go. But you know what? If I get it right, you got to buy him a drink. <laughs> you got to you got to buy me a goddamn round because <laughs> occasionally I do get a thing right, and uh, well, and and it. I don't know what is going on also with Richie Daly's wife and her health. So oh, yeah. there's oh, yeah. there's a, there's some other factors involved. So oh, yeah. we'll have to just see. Finally, um, I, I dropped a hint on our podcast notes about Dana Milbank's thing, and I didn't tell you what it was because I wanted to hear your reaction <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> live. You. Dana Milbank, of all people. I mean, you know, yeah. Okay, let's consider the sources. Dana Milbank. Uh, Dana Milbank has declared February a pale and free month on his column. Oh yes, he's just had it, and uh, you know, and some some commenters have said, "Oh, so you're giving up hits too?" (laughs) You know, (laughs) and and you know, this is uh, this is what he's decided to do. But then, as a lot of people pointed out today, it's like. The next day, he says, okay, let me tell you how day one of my Palin free column is, you know, and it's like, you're not supposed to mention her name, dude, you know, that's the thing. You Um, know, Dana, masturbating with your left hand (laughs) (laughs) doesn't count as celibacy. Yeah, right. So, you know, today, let me tell you about not talking about Sarah Palin and how that's going for me. And, And he did say in a chat, he was in a chat over at the Washington Post and he did say, no, I'm, I'll am i be around. My brain is now free to pursue other more wholesome thoughts. For example, I'm going up to Capitol Hill this afternoon to see Michelle Bachman. She will be my methadone during my Palin <laughs> moratorium. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would like the entire mainstream media, as I've said before, 
to declare a Palin moratorium on actually showing clips from her on Fox News until Absolutely. until yep. she will appear and do an yep. interview. And and yep. that's the part that's left out of Dana Milbank's issue, which is I'm going to declare a Sarah Palin moratorium until I get to interview her, you know, one on one. And then I'll talk about her. But if she's going right. to hide behind Facebook and Fox, I have nothing to say about her because she's a coward. And if you put it that way, then it's actually got some meat on those bones, you know? Yeah. But this is just a gimmick. And I wish Chris Matthews would do that. I wish everyone at MSNBC would say, look, she's got to come on. You know, if she doesn't come on MSNBC, she's got to at least appear on CBS with Katie Couric again. (laughs) Yes. You know, or something. She's got to go on some non-Fox. Yeah, non-Fox, non-Facebook, something, something out of her control, and she something. Well, something and I'm still than... not convinced that she. We're gonna. I think next week we're gonna do a rundown of the GOP candidates and, and talk about that. Talk about you know early handicapping of the race for who's gonna lose to Barack Obama in well, 2012. No, not and, to be too let's, cocky let's be about honest. it, but I'm if, sorry. If there if there were a true Sarah Palin. Um, embargo this month and god knows i would love there to be you know we're not exactly i i don't exactly flood my site with sarah palin references however you know i view her as an emergent property yeah, a natural exactly. logical predictable outcome of a larger political machine mm-hmm. that is temporarily using her as its front man front yeah. woman mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's nice tits at the front of the battleship, you know. Oh, it's, and that's it's Carol really... Merrill, as I said, Carol, yeah. Carol Merrill, and let's make a deal. She's the yeah. spokesmodel, you know. And she's she embodies as it, and has internalized the the peevish, arrogant, put upon, privileged ignorance, yeah. The, yeah. the absolute bone deep, smirking ignorance of the twenty to thirty million people in this country who are the core of the Republican Party. That is what makes her interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because they they have never really shown that face full on before and said, this is who we are. Yep. They've always hid behind, you know, hyphenate, uh, moderate conservative and the reasonable conservative and the black conservative and the gay conservative and the Jewish conservative and the New York Times conservative. Those are those aren't conservatism. Yeah. Those are all front men. Yep. Sarah Palin is what the the id and the core and the ego of the party look like in its rawest naked form. Yep. And it's finally been let off the fucking leash. That's what's interesting yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. We want to thank our listeners. We love hearing from you. Our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. That goes to both of us. We love reading your emails and we try to respond as quickly as we can. We have a website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to past episodes for free with no download and no registration. And we are also available on iTunes. We love our iTunes listeners, and we thank you so much if you're on iTunes, if you will rate and review our podcast. And last week at my blog, I, if you just Google Blue Gal, you could find that one. I did provide instructions on how to do that because it's a little confusing on the iTunes rate and review how to do that. So that's there. Yeah, you hang your head out the window and yelling won't do it. No, I won't rate it on iTunes. I tried. I tried, yeah. No. There's no app for that. At our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, there's also an opportunity for you to drop five bucks in the hat to keep this podcast viable, and we really appreciate your financial support as well. Thank you very much for to everyone who has uh, dropped five bucks in the hat. We know times are tough, and we've never asked for more than five bucks, and we really do appreciate your help. And again, we have an important announcement to make next week, so be sure to listen 
next week for our important <laughs> announcement. How are the Internet kitties this week? Well, the representatives of the kitty caliphate say, free Anderson Cooper. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the lovey, lovey, dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying and the shooting and the dying and the fellow with the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the lovey, lovey, dovey. This podcast is recorded under Creative Commons license, copyright 2011. Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.